Thank you, Fiona. Um, for some times as a church, um, we were led to have at least uh, one Sunday when we have uh, two things, praise and prayer. And this is one of those Sundays. And so I want to talk briefly of what I call, I don't know that's how you pronounce that, but uh, yeah, my French comes in. A pinnacle, is that the way? Pinnacle of praise, or the highest level of praise. You might have heard this story from me, then there's no harm for hearing it a second time. Or this is the first time you're hearing this story. There was a gentleman once upon a time that used to walk miles. Now you think back in the Congo. Walk miles bare feet to go to church. And there was this week where a preacher was in that particular area to preach. And this gentleman used to walk miles. And during the preaching, he could not content all the, all the time when the preacher make a good point, you will go, praise the Lord. The preacher got annoyed. And so look at him and went and said, could you just come down? Don't be saying praise the Lord. Came a second time, the preacher preached again, and the guy went, praise the Lord. So the preacher said, how can I silence him? And he looked, you know, when you walk bare feet, I did walk bare feet many a time in Africa, when you have uh, stones and everything. So preacher said, good, I will give you a pair of shoes. So don't say, because you're disturbing the preaching in going, uh, praise the Lord. Say, that's fine. Come the next day, and the guy was boiling as the preacher went on and on. And then he just shouted, shoes or no shoes, praise the Lord. <laughs> this story came to mind as I was looking at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, this prophet in the Old Testament, was prepared to praise the Lord, even in the worst of times. Times when uh, there will be no harvest, where there will be no crops, no fig, no grapes, no olive, no grain, total loss of sheep or cattle, cattle where uh, these are the things uh, that the people, the nation depends upon. He was prepared to praise even in the midst of absolute ruin, ruin or abject famine. Listen to the story as we read it to Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, all the way to verse 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grape on the vines, Though the olive crops fail and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet 
I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice and be jo joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the height. Abakik, in a sort, refused to embrace the good advice sometimes we hear, but from a worldly perspective. The good advice can go like this. Suppose I should lose my money. Suppose I should lose my health. Suppose I should lose everything and all the rest. And the good advice from the worldly perspective says that when those supposings come knocking at, at your heart, you just need to slam the door and bolt it and don't let any of them in it. It's quite a good advice because certainly they will help you for not worrying over the list of calamities or troubles that might probably not happen. But for Abacook, his approach to dealing with uh, these supposing things that keep knocking on the doors of the heart is different. He goes on like this. When the supposing come knocking at our door, we must not slam the door and bolt in, but rather open the door and cry, come in! And then he turned to God in praise. He was determined to praise the Lord. Can you imagine when everything which he and the society depended on was not to happen? He said, I will rejoice. In fact, literally that verse 18 will say basically, I will jump for joy in the Lord. I will spin around for delight in God my Savior. When everything seems not to be in the right place. How can he do that? It's because he sees this joy at his best when circumstances are at their worst. And I think the key thing there to rejoice, to praise the Lord, and to keep giving God the glory, he knows down deep that if all God's gift failed, he would still possess the giver. When all God's gift in our lives can disappear, we will still have the giver. That's why praise scatter fears of any of those supposing that keep knocking in our, on the room, in the door of our heart, of our mind. But also praise scatters worries of harvest not yet seen. 
But did you notice that when he's rejoicing, he's rejoicing not only on the giver, but he sees this giver as his savior. There is a personal relationship there. No wonder in the most threatening times of life, as Abacuc, who knew that only this God will necessarily give the strength in the most worst threatening times. I wanted to sing this song, but I don't have time. It's a song from William Cooper, which um, uh, at the end of that song, there's a chorus that goes like this. Dovine, no fig tree, neither their wanted fruit should bear, though all the field should wither, nor flock nor head be there, yet God, the same abiding, his praise shall tune my voice, for while in him confiding, I cannot but rejoice. pinnacle of praise is learning to praise the Lord in the most worst circumstances because the giver will always be there when all gifts disappeared. Sometimes we wonder whether the prayer can make a difference but Abacook whom we just uh, um, listened to and uh, been challenged, um, was about to go under when he started talking to God at the beginning of the book of Habakkuk. In fact, when you read that book, you'll see that uh, destruction, violence, strife, conflict, injustice, wickedness were all that he could see. But when he cried out to God, and his cry did not go unheeded. And so the Lord not only answered his complaint, but also provided the confidence needed to lift him from what we can call the pit. He started at the real bottom before he reached to that pinnacle of praise. And I was reflecting that something came to my mind as to the place of prayer. And so I just want to end tonight by challenging us, ourselves, about what I entitle a believing prayer. Sometimes we pray, but we do believe in what we say. And so there's no other better example that came to mind than the example of Bart, 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 Bartimaeus. <laughs> Mark chapter 10, from verse 46 all the way to verse 52. And I think uh, the words come on the screen. Let me read as they are. 
And then they came to Jericho and Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city and a blind man by Timaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up! On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This picks up some of the themes that you've been looking at so far on our um, theme of waiting on God. Persistent determination. He was so determined to have his greatest need of life uh, at what I can call here was the opportunity of a lifetime. If, if he missed Jesus that moment, that's it, because Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he won't come back that way. That was the moment. And he could not help but just to say, have mercy on me. Two things. Although Jesus was determined to where he was going, he still had the time to help just one person. Jesus is never too busy to say, I'm not hearing you. When we go to entertain folks at Balnakaran, one of the things that we just say, and I remember when I said, um, Jesus never, never gone on holiday. And one of the lady there, I can just see her Marjorie. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Never gone on a holiday. He's always there. But the other thing, the healing or the restoration of sight was in response to this man's faith. As a challenge, faith is becoming again and again and again in our equation when it comes to prayer. But this man was blind. He never saw Jesus physically. Where does the faith come from? He must have heard the report of what Jesus was able to do in his power, in his grace, and the willingness to save. So though he was blind physically, but his eyes spiritually was op were open to see the Lord, that he is able to save and recognize him as the Messiah. Now, the faith is not so much a matter of the one who has to have that faith. But actually, the faith is more valuable 
in the object or the subject to whom this faith is being given. In other words, is, 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 is to Jesus rather than the person himself. As Jesus, he believed in him that he is the one who is able to do. And that's where this faith comes, where he could not be silenced. And so let me close with a few thoughts here. Over these last few weeks, I have been personally challenged when I listened to a story, heartbreaking story of folks in our congregation going through a hard time. The other day, around 7 o'clock, the phone rang, and someone tears and kept on listening, 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 and I could not help myself busting tears as well. I'm crying for something which only God can do, which no one else can do. And this is where faith comes. Two verses before I close. This woman who suffered so much in pain, bleeding, 12 years, suffered in the hands of the doctors. No cure. But when she approached Jesus, we hear Jesus saying to this woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. That's still in Mark chapter 5, verse 34. But also Jesus exhorted his disciple in Mark 11, 22 to 24, telling to them, have faith in God. In other words, may this faith in God should be the one that is unwavering to trust his omnipotent power and unfailing goodness. As we pray, I'm praying even tonight as we cry, Lord, have mercy, that we really believe that God is so compassionate and capable to reach the death of our need. It looks like the believing prayer taps God's power to accomplish the humanly impossible. Why God did not allow Luke? This is what I was sharing in the morning. Luke was with Paul. They arrived in a place called Malta. And there were sick people. But look, the physician, the doctor, they removed from the scene to allow Paul to be used to heal the sick. Will we ever see healings here? I do believe. When these guys were doing medicine, they're just stuck. They don't know what to do. 
all they can give is medication. Beyond the medication, God can still do miracle. Maybe you doubt, but may the Lord help us to have the believing prayer and cry out to him, Lord, have mercy.